Well, it, it made me realise that you've also got to have a level of enjoyment through your life as well because you never know um, what, what may happen to you. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with financial strategist Matthew Sicaria. Find out about his upbringing and his parents' influence on his career choice and how that led into property investing. Discover the story behind buying his first property and what happens when a third child is thrown into the mix of buying more property. Matthew Sakari is a successful mortgage broker and financial strategist. Working in both jobs, Sakari has a very busy schedule. In regards to what I do day to day, I provide financial strategies to assist clients from their current situation and look at potentially where they may be going um, moving forward as a proposed situation and obviously adding value um, from what they're currently situated in terms of interest rates or their financial position and moving forward in regards to what we can do for them. Um, from a mortgage brokering side as well as a financial planning uh, with the help of Jolene as well. He gives us a breakdown of his day-to-day life and how work doesn't stop in his household. It's always just reviewing clients' financial situations. So, um, you know, usually what may happen is Jolene's had a meeting with a client um, and had a closer look at their financial planning strategy and I would then have another meeting just to give them some credit advice in regards to what they can borrow, what it would look like and um, it also allows us, which is really um, important also the fact that I'm a financial planner, I actually can review the advice as well. So there might be things where I say to Jolene, hey, did you also think about this part, you know? Um, so uh, it's like both people working on, a, on one client situation which I think is, is quite powerful. The whole Sicario family are interested and passionate about property investment. Our um, dinner conversations are quite boring. They're usually financial, <laughs> but um, you know, it, but we can't help that. And, and I think at the same time, the kids also listen to everything financial as well. So what we've noticed from their point of view is, you know, the other day, um, you know, my son was saying, "How much debt do you have? Do you want to do some debt consolidation?" You know, or you know, things like that. I'm going, "Oh, that's a good point." But you know, you need debt to be able to acquire property. So that's what happens from that point of view. And so, um, you know, they're always thinking financially as well, which is which is pretty cool. Sakaria was learning about the property business at a very young age and the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree. I was exposed to that too when I was young. So, my pro- my parents were Middle Eastern so they, they loved property and, um, and I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about that journey as well. His parents taught him about property investment and the possibilities it holds at a very early age. I grew up at Mansfield um, which is a suburb next to um, Mount Gravatt over in Brisbane, Southside. Um, I came from a family of six. Um, my parents were Middle Eastern, migrated from Jordan. And um, we lived um, at around about, if people know it well, Mount Gravac Palabar Road, which was the main street uh, which leads all the way from Rochdale up to Upper Mount Gravac Garden City, all the way up to Sunnybank. And um, we, my parents moved from a, a normal brick uh, property on that street uh, for better. You know, it would have um, been about 50 grand back in those days. And um, they ended up buying a three-acre block down the road, which they thought thought for long term would be a a great investment. 
So, yeah, and, and that really got our head around buying and the importance of long-term investing and things like that because they ended up selling that three-acre block for um, a, a good amount of money to a property developer who got a town, uh, an approval to build, I think it was 35 townhouses. Looking back on his schooling life, Sakaria talks about how fortunate he was to attend the high school that he did. I went to Mansfield State High School, um, which is actually one of the top 10 uh, public schools, uh, well, all schools in, in uh, Queensland. So it, it's, it's really um, been renowned um, and, and almost made the top six as well. So um, what we've noticed in that area in the suburb is that people, you need to be in that catchment. So that area has kind of gone up in value from that point of view, um, which I'd like to say to Jolene that, you know, hopefully it was, um, you know, we left a legacy um, in that last year of, of grade 12 because in in, in our grade, we, I, I, you know, I was looking around, we had some really bright kids and, you know, and you know, my, my classmates in there as well. So it was, it was quite cool. Um, and, and it was a good school and, a good, and good people around there. So it was very fortunate and, um, and you know, it was, it was a great suburb. Garden City Shopping Centre was around the corner. So, um, but once we made that transaction, when, when my parents made that transaction, we actually moved to another suburb called Belmont. So it required us to travel back and forth to school. But, um, you know, my mum my was happy with, with that school and the, and the outcomes of the results, which I was getting as well. So she thought we'd keep going to that same school. He tells us about the devastating time in his life, but how it helped him become who he is today. I was probably only 12 at the time. But it got my head around, you know, this and what was happening. And, you know, and, that, and that's where the passion of property investing has really um, taken off for myself as well, as seeing those outcomes and how it changed and how it changed our lives. Um, and, and so many other factors around it all because my father died actually um, during that transaction. So he had cancer. And so... Yeah, yeah, but it, it, it's it's all of all these journeys in life just add different, um, you know, values to how you live your life and, and things like that. So it's, uh, you know, I saw that all his hard work and he finally got the goal, but he wasn't there to enjoy it all. But you know, it, it was something which he that that's what he wanted to achieve, and, and he finally got that from that point of view. Losing his father helped Sakara put things into perspective and understand what he wanted to get out of life. It made me realize that you've also got to have a level of enjoyment through your life as well because you never know um, what, what may happen to you. Like he was, at, he was quite young. He was only 50 at the time. So uh, it just puts things into reality and having a priority and also you know, um, enjoying life as well and making the most out of it. Sakaria moved around quite a bit as a child. And through this, he learned the value of property. It was just more once that transaction was made, um, my mum wanted, she, she's always gone for acreage property. So we ended up buying another three-acre site over at Belmont. Um, and she bought that quite well and has now proven to be also another influential suburb. Um, Belmont's near Gumdale, which is, you know, um, high-end two-and-a-half-acre blocks now. So um, it's... It, she's just always, you know, for, even from that property when she sold that, she's bought another acreage property. So it's, it's just a, a thing and an investment vehicle she likes to to use is is buy acreage property to live in, have the space, privacy, and also long term value. He went straight into university after high school to head towards his goals at the time. I went to um, QUT, a university in Gardens Point over in the city, and studied. Uh, I got into software engineering, uh, so I was in IT. Um, straight after high school, yeah. 
Sakaria was faced with adversity straight after leaving university due to some unique circumstances. That was a three-year degree uh, and it was an interesting time because I got in in 1990. Uh, I finished high school in 1998, so I started my first year in 1999 and everyone would probably be familiar with the millennial bug. You know, there was a, a lot of contracts being sent out, so it was really exciting thinking, oh, this is fantastic, this industry that I chose. And, and, I, and, and this was while I was studying. You know, you were just hearing all these six-figure numbers going for IT, trying to fix this millennial bug. Um, and then, and then I graduated in 2001, which I don't know if people are familiar, but that was the whole uh, NASDAQ crash with the IT bubble burst. And, you know, there wasn't a great deal of jobs and that wasn't really, you know, it was, it was just a, a crash from that point of view. So that happened at the same time of, of when I graduated. So made it a little bit more difficult to get a job, especially locally in Brisbane. There wasn't a great deal happening here, but I ended up getting a job after that. Um, but it made me realize how things can go your way in one industry and then also fall apart. So it got my head around that side of it all as well, that things go through sometimes a cycle. And we're obviously going through another IT, but not, 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 I think this is probably more of a different type of IT boom that was back in 2001. This is definitely here to stay a little bit more with technology advancing to where it was. Technology advancements over the past two decades have caused a serious change within the IT industry. I think it's more the hardware. Like back then in IT, software was there. It's just the hardware capacity was never there to match the software. Now it is. Like you've got the, you know, you can do everything on an iPhone where back then you, you couldn't. It, uh, so I, I think, I think potentially it's definitely going through a massive boom with all these types of companies forming, um, but it's quite consistent now with, with the catch-up of hardware and software together. A turn of events sees Sakari secure his first property in an unusual way. I graduated and um, ended up you know, not getting the job straight away because everyone wanted work experience. So I ended up working almost free for the first six months and then um, just getting building up my work experience and then I ended up getting a job. And then once I got a job straight after three months, I ended up buying a property. Um, my, it, the, the way it played out was my brother actually bought the property, but um, he couldn't get the finance uh, for it. So he said, do you want it? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll buy it. And uh, I bought that property. It was actually a uh, funny thing. It was actually on the same road, Mount Quebec, Palabar Road, where my parents sold originally. So um, <laughs> so I knew the area pretty well. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. And um, so I did. So that locked me in my career. So once you get a mortgage, it's pretty a little bit more difficult to kind of change careers. Um, I kind of knew that IT wasn't, completely where I wanted to be um, after I did my degree and I knew that about halfway through but I looked at it and going well I only got another year and a half and then finish so I'll stick with it and see if things change for me in in the industry and um, so I ended up working for a company in um, that did rolled out spa supermarkets so I, I headed up their point of sale system and and I, and I started to really start started to enjoy that and um, so I, I did that for a little while until I got to a point where uh, I got another job rolling out software for salons. I uh, was probably one of the largest ones in, in, in Australia as well as almost internationally. So, and then I met Jolene um, and we, we got married and had kids and that's when the ambition of me being content as an employee or uh, it, it wasn't really for me. I, I was just too 
too ambitious to to strive for bigger things from that point of view um, and also knowing where I could go in IT. So that's when I started to explore other options. Experience in his former industry was very useful in his future business ventures. It gave me good insight in regards to how businesses run like from a small convenience store to a salon, you know, in the spa. So, it, you know, and, and looking at all that from an, uh, a view, not just looking at software and figures, you, you understand and go, wow, look, look what this business is making and because you've you got to see everything from that point of view. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Matthew Sakara's journey and how he got started in property. That property, um, my brother found it and um, he couldn't get the finance so I took that over from him and was able to make that work um, and you know, we bought it for 195 back then and um, you know, that was probably in 2003. Uh, was at Mount Gravatt Road. Um, is probably the start of the whole property boom. Also, an interesting way in time to receive some news. And it was on that end of that finance day. Um, we're on the treadmill together, and then Jolene. We had two kids, and then Jolene turned around to me and she goes, um, "I'm on the gym at Fitness First as well." And she goes, "I'm pregnant." And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum, and you're listening to Property Investory. What led Sakara down the path of property investment? So that property, um, my brother found it and um, he couldn't get the finance so I took that over from him and was able to make that work um, and you know, we bought it for 195 back then and um, you know, that was probably in 2003, uh, I was at Mount Gravatt Road, um, it's probably the start of the whole property boom, um, I think in regards to it all people may recall from 2003 to almost 2009 property was going in one direction and that was up and um, so it was it was great timing from that point of view um, I, I ended up um, renting it out initially and then what happened was uh, during that transition um, my, my when my mum sold Belmont and went to buy another one she ended up living there so I helped her out and she used to uh, she was living there for a couple of years as well until she found another property another acreage property so it, it was good and, and during that time uh, when I had that property I met Jolene as well and um, we got married and, and had a kid um, but we didn't actually live there Jolene had a property also at East Brisbane so we both had a property each um, and after I think it's only, it was only for two years I held that property, 2003 to 2005. And uh, I got a note in the letterbox and someone saying, I'm interested in your property. I'd like to talk to you about it. Um, so I ended up pursuing that after trying to work out what I was wanted to do long term with that property. It was interesting because I got a real estate agent value on it because I, I was actually thinking of selling it. And and uh, the agent said, oh, you probably won't get much for it, probably about two fifty, and I only paid one ninety five, so it didn't go up a great deal. Um, but I knew the value of that property because it was zoned um, on a busy road. You could do like a, a small office or townhouses or, or things like that to it. It was just zoned low to medium density. And so I pursued that letter in the letterbox and, and it was from a solicitor and I told him how much I wanted for that property. We had lunch. And I said, look, if you really want this property, this is how much I would sell it for, um, to you because this is what my, I plan to do with that property. And, and that back then, it was to open up a, like an IT shop on a busy road. 
Sakara shares a story which exemplifies how being able to negotiate is very important in the property industry. And I told him that. I said, look, you could do you know, a, a computer stall here and, and, and this is what I, I plan to do. So if you want to buy this property, I would sell it to you at four fifty, and uh, which was obviously above market, you know, like, yeah, it's spot on. And um, next you know it, I, I thought, oh, well, that's the end of that conversation. Next you know it, at work... Uh, I got a letter, an uh, envelope at, at work. He, he tracked where I worked and he, and he posted a, a document to me at work. And it was an a REIQ contract with 350 on there. And I'm like, oh, well, that was better than what the real estate agent said. So he offered me 350 unconditional. So it was a really strong contract. And I crossed it out. And I and I signed it back. I said four fifty as you know, and 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 I just sent it back. That's all I did. I did four fifty, crossed it out initially, and sent it back to him. He came back at four hundred with another cost. I once again crossed it out and put four fifty. And then and then next you know it, he came back and goes, okay, unconditional four fifty. So and that was after two years. So that was quite a a, and that's where it it basically took off. Um, after that, from from there, for for us, really, it it allowed us to, um, it allowed me potentially to change careers a lot easier. It allowed us to, uh, um, you know, with the money which we had from that sale, it, it it basically paid off Jolene's East Brisbane property. He tells us what happened with that property and his perspective on the outcome of it. I checked the journey of it, to, and, and it just recently sold. But um, I checked the journey of it. He went, he he was he was um, after it from a political point of view. They just wanted to put political signs on there. You know, he thought it was a great way. Of, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then there was a chiropractor beside me, and um, I noticed that he joined forces with them and had a DA for like thirty-eight apartments. It was like five stories high. And they wanted 1.9 million, which they never ended up getting um, at all. Um, and it recently sold to someone else for 540. So, so if you look at it, 450, he held it for more than 10 years and was only able to get 540. But I don't know what happened with that development because it's either they had a DA or what it was like draft drawings for 34 apartments or something like that. But obviously, no one wanted to pay 1.9 million for both sites. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting journey to, and that's what I always like to see is, especially you know, as you get older, looking back and reflecting and, and going, wow, that was a good outcome, or this is what you could have done. Was it best to hold this property? Or so it's always good reflecting back on things like that. Due to some of the decisions he had made, Sakara had set himself up in a very advantageous position at a young age. Just um, you know, as well as having a young family um, and, and and growing up. Um, you know, to at that initial stage because I think I was uh, 25 or 24. Actually, I bought the house when I was 19. So I I had that completed actually a lot less. I was only um, about 22 or 23. And we were basically debt-free at that time. During a lengthy career, there will be moments that can be looked back on as valuable learning experiences. I got a little bit um, beside myself, I guess. Um, I, you know, like I thought, oh, you look at me, I'm a property guru um, type person <laughs> and I made a purchase. Um, but what I knew what I was after, I was after a subdivision site. So, um, and that just kind of came naturally. I said, you know what, I'm really into subdivisions after seeing what happened to my parents, I, I really want to go. And I'm still to this day, you know, always looking for subdivision type of sites as well. Um, it's, it, 
I ended up buying a block at Everton Hills, which I was able to subdivide or, or build townhouses. So um, it was an 800 square meter site. But the problem I did, I, I was it was listed at 450, and I thought I offered an unconditional contract of 400, uh, which got accepted. And I was like, fantastic, let's just get it done. And and, and I didn't even look at the property. Um, so I ended up buying it at 400, and. Um, realized that the person who built the house originally actually just did an ad hoc type of job. It was a very it was a very funny kind of build and had all sorts of problems which I ended up discovering. Um and 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 that and that was a lesson learned from that point of view is just not to you know not to get too carried away on uh, on the fact that there's an eight hundred square meter site. It can be developed as townhouses, it can be subdivided. Um, to also look at the quality of the house which is on there as well because that can come back based on your strategy, which it did in this case um, because I, would, I was just looking and, and got caught up on the land more than the house. Sakari learns some shocking news and explains how the experience helped him in the long run. When I looked at you know the strategy of putting townhouses and, and looking and seeing if that was a possible or just getting a block because you could, you could actually just put a fence right beside the property without moving it and you have a spare block of land. So I went down with that option. But um, it ended up happening all around when interest rates were about 9%, uh, mind you. It was, it was with Suncorp and it was at 9%. And this was around about 08 too during the GFC. So, uh, so it was a little while when I made that next move and that next purchase. I think I bought it in 07. Um, and yeah, because I didn't really make a purchase after that because we ended up um, getting married and all, all of life and, and had two kids. And it was actually a funny story is Jolene and I were both working in the city and we used to meet up for lunch and go to the gym. And um, we, she was on the tread, we were both on the treadmill and this was on finance due date. Actually, I, I, put, I put Everton Hills on a finance clause date. And um, so 414 days finance and it was on that end of that finance day, um, we're on the treadmill together and then Jolene, we had two kids and then Jolene turned around to me and she goes, um, I'm on the gym at Fitness First as well and she goes, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and, and, and I almost fell off the treadmill. I'm like, hang on, we, we're going, the finance is due today. Like, What should we say? Should we say we're going ahead or not? And she goes, oh, well, if you think it's a good property and a good opportunity, then go ahead with it. And, uh, and I said, oh, there's, you know, all oh, this, you know, third child doing a subdivision, all of this, and uh, we ended up proceeding with it. And uh, that, that was, that was a, definitely a, a learning curve. Even with another child on the way for the Sicarius, that still couldn't slow them down. With three kids, the time off... Um, for Jolene, um, also because she was working, you know, going maternity leave, having a mortgage, um, because you obviously we, we used 100% of borrowing for for that property, which was at 400, um, and just relying on my income. And it was at a time when I also was making a transition from IT into finance, where I got offered a job with NAB. Um, so it, it, all this was happening at the same time. So we we don't we don't move. Um, slowly but the thing is Jolene and I are always fast paced and it's always been the case since since day dot and hence obviously we you know we, we had four kids before the age of uh, I was 30 as well so you know we, we 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 did a lot in that 10 year period 
After thinking long and hard about what to do with the block of land he wanted to subdivide, he came to a decision. Ended up doing a renovation on it. So we ended up subdividing it all. Um, I went through a property subdivision project manager. Um, you know, I was doing my due diligence in regards to should I do it or not. And um, I, I, I got a good understanding of, um, because when I went in and approached this company, they said it would only cost 60 grand to do the subdivision. I'm like, oh, 60 grand. I worked on the figures. I'm like, that's that's doable. Um, ended up costing more like 120. So the, the, the estimation was completely wrong. Um, and, and it made me realize that the only thing was from that point of view, why they wanted to put, pitch it down at 60 was that they get the job, you know, obviously. Uh, so it made me understand a little bit more about things like that. Um, it, it, I sold the block of land for probably really cheap. So whoever bought it off me, uh, probably did all right. They, I sold it for 180 the block of land uh, because I was just I – I would say that, you know, we were in a situation where we had our third child. I was the only one working, financial pressure. I just wanted to get rid of it and kind of put it behind us. Um, so I sold the block of land for 180 um, and then it was a matter of trying to get our money back from the property itself. So we ended up spending about 20, 25, actually, no, probably more like 40 grand on renovations because there was all these things wrong with it. Had to do restumping, new kitchen, do a paint job, etc. And we ended up selling that house for 404. So all up, it, it was still a profit, but it wasn't a great deal. And it was a lot, it was really stressful during that period of time when we had our third child. So. Um, good learning curve from it all. Um, you know, obviously that block of land would probably be worth maybe three hundred now, and the house was probably still worth maybe five fifty. So long term, um, looking back at it all, yeah, there's some positives out of it all. But during that time when you're having a young family and and and, and you know, it was it was a pretty stressful period. Sakari can still find the time out of his busy days to keep up with all his ventures. I think it was just more just. Um, I think it was just being a bit too ambitious and uh, just always trying to do something and look for opportunities. And, and to this day, it's always the case. It's just how I'm kind of, you know, you know how you are sometimes and I can't really sit still. He provides us with a surprising tip on how he thinks more people should deal with property at certain times. Every project um, we've done um, in, in the experience, we always kind of reflect back on um, and it got me to realize that um, sometimes, you know, going through and doing something is not always the best outcome and result. Um, sometimes just leaving a property and, and passing it on to someone else to complete it can be uh, also a, a good result. So there, there's many times, like even that property Jolene had at East Brisbane, that was actually a subdividable site as well. So after Everton Hills and the reason why I went through the project manager was that I wanted to learn from them how to do a subdivision. So I gathered all that paperwork which we did for Everton Hills and I applied it to East Brisbane and, um, and, and, and did the subdivision and the build myself. I project managed that one myself. Um, and it made me realize like the end results of it all and everything like that. Um, you know, sometimes uh, um, like before we actually did that project at East Brisbane, we put it on the market and we got offered good money for it and we thought, oh, this is fantastic um, and, and didn't accept it. So we just looked at it as a way of saying, you know what, we're best to complete this project and, and do it because if someone's willing to pay us this amount for this local, this house with the opportunity, then at the end of it all, it's going to be really good value. 
Um, and now looking back at it, or you look at it, the initial value, and it's like, well, it was it would have been better off to sell that without actually doing the project. So there are certain things where you want to just buy and have the possibility of adding value, but not technically doing it because you think that by sometimes doing it, you think that you're going to actually be in a better off position. But looking back, sometimes you're not. If you can take that profit now and move on to something else bigger and better, that's sometimes a better outcome. And And I'm not saying that's always the case. I'm just saying from my experience that things which you can do add value quickly on and move on with the better So, inspired by Matthew Sakaria's journey and his amazing aha moment, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Invest Story. We'll discuss his strategy. And I've kind of naturally built the solution of um, saying that, uh, um, give me the problem and I'll find a solution. And it's probably more of a mathematical kind of outcome. The advice he has for others in everyday life. What I would say is be patient. Don't, don't over overthink things or uh, put too much pressure on yourself and time will do its thing. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory.